Hello everyone and welcome to your Uncle's Beach House episode 35. Uh, I'm Jackson, I'm joined by M as usual. Toku time! <laughs> it's Toku time. We're joined by a guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, yes, uh, I'm Casey, uh, also known as Minovsky Article. I'm clutching my Magatama and I'm ready to speak on Gamera's behalf. <laughs> Damn, that's, right. that's never backfired on anyone. <laughs> Uh, well, that's true. I guess what that means is we're doing Gamera 2 Advent of Legion. Advent? What? Where'd you get Advent? From the title screen. It's Attack of Legion. Okay, well, the title screen said Advent of Legion. <laughs> did it really? Wait. The I'm, I'm going to go get it, but it, yes. Yes, it did. I think it depends on which release you have. Advent does I have the Arrow release. I don't remember what the Arrow thing said. I just know it's Attack of Legion. Uh... <laughs> Advent does make it sound more biblical. <laughs> That's true. But I, I, I thought it was a really cool translate like choice, and I remember this for being sick. I'm, I'm scrolling through. It's in the other room, so I'm not gonna go grab my Blu-ray. But I literally have the Blu-ray, and I don't remember it saying Advent. But I, you, you could be right. I have no idea. No, I, I believe you that it could have been changed for the Arrow release, or the like Western release. You also have the Arrow release. I watched this on my Plex. You have the Blu-ray. I know. I know. I had a real bad night. Just please. Well, you know what? Me. This is this is Gamera Two, the one with Legion. Anyway, yes, Attack of the Legion is the Plex name, but it was it was Advent of Legion in my thing. I'm googling. I can't get the thing. I'm prepared for this. <laughs> Because the literal translation is Invasion of Legion, so I don't know why you'd come. Up, I don't know who would have translated that as Advent. Our title is Legion, for it is many. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, anyway, either way, regardless of what you want to call it, it is the 1996 kaiju film directed by Shusuke uh, Kaneko and written by Kazunori Ito. It is a sequel to Gamera, the Guardian of the Universe, which we watched like a year ago at some point. Yeah. Uh, now, before I summarize what happens in this movie... Mm -hmm. Would you briefly like to summarize your experience with catching up? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So the arrow sets, uh, the big, uh, giant, deluxe, cool-ass arrow set came out, sold out instantly. Yes. I was like, damn. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. Uh, and thankfully, it rolled back around. They put out uh, separate box sets, and they're a little cheaper, and they come with less stuff. Whatever. Actually, they're not any cheaper. That's the worst part. But they do come with less stuff. Um, <laughs> but I did pick up I did pick up the... Uh, I actually picked up both of them, but I haven't opened the original trilogy, or the original set boxes at all yet. Put it in the first movie. I'm like, I know we're doing this. Um, and I'm going to watch the first one again. And when I looked on there, uh, I was like, I'll just watch it dubbed. And there's two options. There's the dub, and then there's the UK dub. And I was like, what is the UK dub? What could that possibly be? I put it on. It's the UK manga dub, uh, which famously likes to do it, the, all the sweary anime OVAs from the 90s or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and their decision for this was to add inexplicable techno over any time the soundtrack wasn't on, basically. And not just like a whole track, like one song, the, over and over again. <sighs> Just anytime, dead time, don't trust the people are going to like Gamera. We're going to put this, like, thumping techno over it. It was amazing. I had a great time. It, <laughs> what that, a terrible version of that movie. That, that's such an amazing idea to go from Koatani's sweeping score into, like, this yes. generic Euro house beat. <laughs> yes. Um, unfortunately, all the rest of the special features are like, hey, there's spoilers for the entire trilogy in this, so don't watch it. And I was like, okay. I watched, like, I listened to the director, or the uh, audio commentary, which was fine. It wasn't the director. It was, like, uh, some film critic or whatever. It was way too YouTube man about it, but was moderately informative. 
Um, <laughs> one of the features spread out over the three trilogy discs is interviews with 95 different crew members. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, unfortunately, I can't watch any of that yet, but I want to. Um, good stuff. You know, I think YouTube men should just do commentaries for their movies. If, if their fucking essays are going to be as long as the movies anyway. That's fair. That's fair. You're not wrong, but um, it could have been a better. It could have been better is what I'm saying. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I've sent this title card that says Advent of Legion right there. I'm I only critique the people who made that choice. I well, think that's such a cool name. It just doesn't come from anything. The the title card is also notable though because the they they take one of the characters in Gamera yes. and it's just the part that looks like a flaming cross. Yes, and then yes. fade so the rest sick. in. <laughs> <laughs> it has like beautiful blocky 90s CGI as it like this flaming cross spins and there's two and I'm like, damn, let's go. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's about Gamera. We already covered that movie in another episode. You can go listen to that in the archives. Jackson, what's the plot of Gamera 2 Attack of Legion? Uh, all right. Uh, let me see if I can flex my muscles and do this one. Uh, the plot of uh, Gamera 2 Attack of Legion is the uh, a bunch of meteors full and in like in Hokkaido, I think it is, um, and they start like spawning small creatures, uh, which eventually are called Legion, a bunch of bug guys, uh, and trying to like make this flower on top of one of the skyscrapers. And no one really knows what they're doing. Uh, there's uh, our like main human viewpoint character is a scientist girl uh, who. Is like this is like trying to colonize Earth, and they're going to send this space. Like th this is an alien species. They come to places, they do this, they ruin the planet because they're like producing too much oxygen, and they're going to starve us all because too much oxygen is poison. And they're going to, uh, when this flower explodes, it will send a seed up into space, and then they'll go to the next planet. This is just their their cycle. And uh, so this is now like an existential war. There's no, it's not like a monster that can be reasoned with. These are this is a you know war for the survival of the whole planet, which means that obviously Gamera shows up and helps them beat it over the course of two hours. Uh, at first he helps out, and then the says in the second city that one just gets blown up. That one goes real bad, and then so they have to all put their faith in Gamera at the end. Um, uh, there's actually there's like bits at the end where like uh, where the, you know he comes to Tokyo for the final showdown um, and Gamera they have to like help Gamera by shooting cruise missiles at the rocket at the, the other guy like the big legion that spawns and uh, then like, Gamera wins and then they're like oh I guess we won thanks Gamera for protecting humanity and then the main girl has to be like that's not what Gamera does we will be the threat one day this is an environmental parable you idiot <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, uh, then a really cheesy song plays at the end it's a very light plot movie it just like go, you know it's a basic versus movie in that there's this cool monster that comes up uh the movie's about investigating them then gamera shows up and fights it for uh like three three big acts and that's kind of the movie it's very plot light i think before we get into anything, because you mentioned the cheesy song at the end, I, I want to <laughs> yeah. say that that nothing dates this movie as a movie from 1996 more than that song, which has extremely Hootie and the Blowfish guitars yeah. in it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It really does. It, so the thing it actually made me think of, which is a decade later, uh, but similar era of music, is the two Death Note movies. Which <laughs> I don't know if anyone here has seen. Uh, but they, they absolutely cut the credits with some Red Hot Chili Peppers for no reason. Mm -hmm. I remember what? the advertising for those movies were all Danny California. Yeah, <laughs> for the Death Note movies. What's going on with that? Anyway, um, this is a great film. 
I'm glad we watched it. Yes. Uh, yeah, this movie is like really interesting because I, it, it, I think it coasts in large portion on the part where Gamera Guardian Universe is one of the best kaiju movies ever made. Yes. Um, but by coasting, I feel like reveals a lot of interesting frictions of the genre here. Uh, Yes. When when the when the lady at the end is like ah oh, we we need to make sure Gamera is never on our never against us and uh, protect the planet. There's nothing in the intervening hour and a half of the movie that suggests that humans should not just be wiped out immediately by no. Gamera. No, <laughs> which is like really I really like that because that's the movie's not about that right. So the movie's not no. actually about how all of the Japanese military or you know self defense force like in this movie are evil. That's not one. Of, that's not a subplot. Oh, it can be in many of these movies, not in this one. Yet it makes that that come off stronger. They just have the only thing they can do to help is fire cruise missiles at the bad guy, and it helps. It actually helps this one situation. Well, and yes. and it, as you said there, uh, like they explicitly blow up the entire city of Sendai. Just so that the prime minister can give a speech to go, no, the JSDF are totally justified for getting involved this time. Yes. It's interesting because I think this movie actually gets at, like a weird transition period of what like kaiju movies represent. If you look at like, and that's not, I guess it's been a tension in all the movies, but I feel like like Shin Godzilla, the, the, the logistics part fell out. The interesting thing about like something like the Japan self-defense force or military mobilization in general is not that they shoot the cruise missiles at the monster. It's that they can build tents and infrastructure really yes. fast. Yes. And this movie like loves the fact that the JSDF can just throw up tents and have like a command center going with like computers and technology in like a minute. They're good at that. That's what they do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's like an important function of state to have someone who can set up emergency infrastructure rapidly and it work. Um, and that's the thing that I feel like has kind of fallen out of the genre. Well, so the thing for me is I was watching this and like the first half an hour is the best part of the movie, as it is in a lot of these movies, because um, I also love it when there's an inciting incident and then we have to like cut through various bits of infrastructure responding to it like this mm. is the thing that shin godzilla is like all built out of and the first half an hour of that movie is also the best like the, whenever a disaster movie takes on this form i love this like specific like bu building up of this stuff uh and i was like this is like at least in this this situation like uh for this framing it is like a very populist cultural form to talk about like infrastructure control and development mm. And but in not like a you know super dense way, it's just a very easy way to talk about that culturally. Um, and it ended up like putting all those like um chips down, but not really like doing anything really with them. It just thinks it's, it happens and is cool. And it does like it's not a by not being a broad parody, like with a very pointed message like Shin Godzilla, right? It, it just allows that stuff to sit there and with the friction of what it actually is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I found that really interesting. Well, I, I, th well, I, mean, this is I think oh, part ahead. of that tension comes through because uh, the special effects director on the Gamera Heisei trilogy is Shinji mm -hmm. Higuchi, who goes on mm -hmm. to be the co-director of Shin Godzilla and yeah. the current director of Shin Ultraman. Um, so Higuchi, in an interview with uh, Fangoria back in 2001, mentions in a paragraph that the reason the military are so present in these movies is because Daye found out the JSDF were willing to mostly work for free and they were willing to <laughs> <laughs> and they were willing to donate most of the military equipment to appear on film 
And Higuchi said that he loved this because almost any time you see a soldier in these movies that does not have a speaking part, that is an actual soldier who is working for no money, uh, their regular baseline military salary, and uh, that they barely had to direct them because their commanders are just off-screen barking orders and formations <laughs> at them. <laughs> That's so good. I um, love it. I, <laughs> it. Um, The thing, it's weird, though, because, like, I think this movie more than most is like sympathetic to like the problems of a government dealing with disaster in a way that's yes. not, I don't think it's like apologia for the government. It's just like the systems are hard. Like Shin Godzilla is about the way in which everyone wants to pass the buck and not accept responsibility and not step up and do anything. And so it falls to the youth uh, to do that and <laughs> sign a new US Japan <laughs> pact of friendship. Um, this movie's about like everyone's just really stressed and never got trained for this and they're doing their best. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of I, I appreciate that about it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and if also just as a through line from um, Gamera Guardian of the Universe and this uh, this one both feature a useless leader character uh mm-hmm. like there's there's the bureaucrat that's like ah, i don't know how to handle this gauss situation and like he's just kind of scheming and mustache mustache twirling the whole time yes. and in this one there's like the military commander who just sits in his base room and is like like at the end he gets to go mission accomplished but he was never actually involved while the rank the and file I, the, are thing out I like, there. the thing i like about that guy is that he doesn't actually present too much of an actual hurdle for like he's not working against the leads right like right. he's just like that's not how we do things and then the minute he realizes his plan's not working he's like well i guess we'll go with your way cuz it's going it, to you know it's better than not doing anything yeah he, um, they're not as obstructionist as they were in the first movie where they're actively shooting gamera despite gauss eating people yeah so and uh, i watched this movie coming right off of like uh Kong Skull Island, which I, I've talked about on a VoIP Life <laughs> episode or whatever, which is a fucking terrible movie. But, like, this whole se- this movie has, like, an extended sequence where the military already knows that people are getting eaten on a subway. They go down to explore it, and they don't have guns. <laughs> they just have, like, flashlights and, and like, nightsticks the time they go into the, the thing, and they also all get eaten. Um, and it's just, like, the interesting tension of, like, what it's like to watch a movie about a military that is not the way I think of a military, which is, you know, the the hard arm power of, of like the state that wants to suppress its people uh like you know we live i live in a country where the national guard is mobilized against the citizens regularly regularly yeah um it's just weird it's just a weird tension watching movies like this well also it's like they don't all get eaten right because it's also like a puzzle about the yes ones who are being eaten are the ones who have like communicators and like anything with electromagnetic waves um so and i think the thing that connects all of these uh all of these disparate points into one one single like autoresque uh like through line is that this movie is written by kazuno ito who you all know as the director or uh, the writer of um uh, many things but importantly for this discussion both pat labor movies <laughs> and this is kind of like both pat labor movies happening at the same time <laughs> it's true you're not wrong uh, as God. we ha- have the like ludicrous uh, puzzle of like science that comes together in a very dumb guy way that's satisfying, and also uh, like the JSDF um, stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. and also, you know, you're gonna get eaten because you'd be on that phone. Because you'd be on that phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's actually a little detail I love in the scene on the subway uh, because they're, they're, the the Legion uh, ant forms are also drawn to like silicon and glass. 
So yes. uh, the the first guy that gets eaten, the train conductor, he gets eaten really brutally. They like they specifically show that when the uh, ant is like leaping into the train car, it it kills the conductor first, who's wearing glasses, and then it specifically shows it spit out the glasses without frames in it anymore. Yeah. Yes. So it. Yep. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I, I like the uh, there's a little details, but but also it doesn't really it doesn't really play this as like a mystery that like like when once the scientist uh what's her what's her name uh Hanami's made it like aware of this she just she puts it together like it's like immediate she's like, instantly there's no, like, comparing them to leafcutter ants like there's <laughs> yeah there's no big eureka moment necessarily and like the way that like I think about like the reveals in like independence day right this is the kind of thing it's like lifting yes. from like the first movie lifted like so hard off of jurassic park actually uh, uh this I, and independence day come out a week apart oh my god <laughs> this is a much better movie than independence <laughs> day <laughs> god i really don't like independence day i i had um, i had to check to make sure what the years were because there is the legion autopsy scene which feels yes, a lot like I, yes, that scene. i literally was like oh is there gonna be like a weird other person here and actually it turns out they're they're the rubber suits full of air which is very funny yeah they are they're, their limbs are moved by gas pressures yes which, but it does mean when they finally shoot one towards the end of the movie, it just like deflates slowly like a balloon. <laughs> yes, he puts the gun like right on it, and it just squirts out air immediately. Yes, this is also before Starship Troopers, uh, yeah. with, which I had to check too because uh, in another interview yes. I read with Higuchi, Higuchi specifically went out to say like I I really like the special effects in Starship Troopers. That's because they're incredible, <laughs> and they're, they're also yes. just this. Yeah, <laughs> because it's the one Western movie that just looks like this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just feel not to go back twenty minutes, but uh, the set. Uh, uh, Kaneko, the director, also directed those two definite movies. So apparently, he just likes. Oh, them. okay, there you <laughs> go. Exact kind of fucking rock music. Well, amazing. And, uh, and Kaneko also goes on to do one Godzilla movie and one Godzilla movie only, and that is Godzilla GMK, which. Which is interesting because, uh, to my knowledge, it is the only Godzilla movie that, uh, and also that Godzilla movie uses almost all of the suit actors from this as the Godzilla characters. Oh, good. That's uh, sick. But uh, it's the only one where it's specifically said that, you know, at least updating it for the year 2001, uh, Godzilla is not just an atomic lizard, it is also possessed by the spirits of those killed during World War II who are angry about Japan's denial of war crimes. Man, I need to watch that fucking movie. <laughs> King shit. King shit. <laughs> so, yeah, K Kaneko, uh, Kaneko is an avowed pacifist, so he, yeah, uh, apparently that was a very important uh, thing for him to put in there. Turning up the, like, you're all being cowards about this dial as time moves on. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I should watch that. Damn. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, 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 I guess since we're in the middle of this, I, I just want to say, like, how incredible the Mother Legion suit is. Yes. It's really cool. I was so the first Legion, I'm like, okay, they're cool, small, creepy, creepy when a thousand of them fall on Gamera. Uh, and then it, it turns into the flying, like, mid stage one, which just looks like a Vika Volt from Pokemon. I assume it's literally <laughs> an homage to this. Of course. Um, there's no way it's not. Um, and um, I was expecting that to be it. So I was really surprised when the giant, like, almost like like Skull Greymon suit comes at the end of this movie. <laughs> oh, it's so good looking. 
Yeah, it's really incredible. Uh, it's also a technical marvel as far as kaiju suits go. Uh, it required two suit operators, one who laid on the ground to give it balance. Oh my and, god! Oh my god! And move the limbs. There's also animatronic limbs operating on it at the same time. Yeah. And there is uh, a central suit actor in the front. Um, I do want to give some props to the central suit actor, uh, Mizuho Yoshida who goes on to have yes. a, a semi-successful career in video games. Uh, they were uh-huh. the motion capture performer for Snake in Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and Twin Snakes. Oh my god. Legend. <laughs> king. Absolute king, yeah. I also just clicked on this and was like, damn, that's Solid Snake. That's the man who did CQC. Uh, more important, In fact, somehow, uh, more importantly, I think for him, uh, on this list... It doesn't say the role, but it does say that his first video game role is mocap in Resident Evil Code Veronica. So amazing! There we go. That's for me. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and uh, Higuchi and Kaneko did say that they they had some regrets because uh, Yoshida as the head as the as the front piece had to be in the suit much longer because it takes a long time to get both actors in there. So I think yeah. probably as penance for this. Uh, this actor gets to go on to play Godzilla in Kaneko's Godzilla movie. So awesome. Yeah. Very cool stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a great looking suit. Uh, I, there's some terrific, uh, extra footage on the, uh, Blu-ray from arrow that shows them testing the Legion suit by having the performers walk around in the park wearing it. So good. <laughs> and like, you can hear like parents in the background approaching the crew going, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's from a Gamera movie coming out next summer. Go check it out. Bring your kids, you know? Like, so yeah, it's, it's just an astonishing piece of, um, of, uh, tokusatsu work. And even the early CGI effects that we see here are well incorporated in that costume. Like I, yeah. I love those red energy whips that kind of like have like, actual frame animation like wipes yeah they're really good it's really well done um i was i was surprised because like this is i feel like this movie has more cg than the first one did but i feel like it's all well utilized Mm -hmm. also it still has like just like sick optical effect feeling laser beams even if they are cg like the big like cutter wave that it shoots out of its mouth is so fucking cool (laughs) oh yeah the, the, there's 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 a very brief interview with one of the CGI artists that works on the first and second movies, uh, and and he said, "Oh, my one regret is if you if you watch the first movie, it's a little embarrassing because we ran out of time and money. So uh, when you see some of the CGI, like it's hard for me to watch now. But please know that they gave me more time and money to work on part two. Uh, so I think you see the fruits of my labor this time. Good. Uh, speaking of cool CG effects, uh, Gamera does like literally win by going Super Saiyan. Yes, he really does. <laughs> well, uh, but I mean, before we even get to that, though, I, I want to say like what a Christmas movie vibe uh, the the, yes. the return of Gamera goes because uh, you have Gamera is killed quote unquote in the explosion of Sendai and it's just laying there as a smoldering husk and then you know Gamera being friend to all children approaches uh, uh, encourages a large crowd of children to come up to it uh, in the kind of Hokkaido area snow uh, and their and their desire for Gamera to come back resurrects him (laughs) 
my favorite thing about that is there's no there's no explanation as to why all the children go to Gamera in this movie. <laughs> I my, they just do. But see, my explanation for this is if there is a massive rocket turtle, that, <laughs> yes, no, <laughs> like, I don't, as a child, that is the coolest thing. <laughs> yes, but if I'm the parent of a child who wants to go see the dead husk of a massive rocket turtle, I probably would hesitate. Well, but there's there's that wonderful scene with the mom going, "No, Gamera's not dead. Gamera's only sleeping." Yes. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but yeah, they do all like pray hard enough to bring Gamera back, just like the Pokemon brought Ash Ketchum back. <laughs> they, they, they also bring back the character played by uh, uh, Steven Seagal's daughter, Ayako Fujitani. Yes. Uh, she has like almost nothing to do in this movie. It's delightful that they brought her back for like five minutes. She's coming back in part three as well. So, Oh, amazing. Good, good, good. Uh, but yeah, uh, so... Okay, I, I have to talk about this. There, there are two things I find really funny revisiting this movie now. Uh, I mean, they were funny at the time too. But uh, the the first, specifically relating to Ayako Fujitani's character, is that the characters all learn about Gamera by going to like a Gamera GeoCities page. Yes, and they go, "Well, we don't know much about you know Gamera." And then the, the first thing on the website, if you click it, is just information about the girl <laughs> like yes. there's a 14 year old girl who can talk to Gamera through a magatama and like oh it's it's really the, good uh the gag where they're like oh, i gotta go do something you read the page and he sits down and he's like wait a second i can't read english <laughs> and then and then when they get the guy who can read english the page gets eaten like literally as he's <laughs> <Yeah>. watching it <laughs> yeah. there's a classic 90s like uh online thing where it's all just like pictures of computers and like they're filming the screen like how they actually look this isn't the point when they're making up fake webs like you know fake uis and shit but they do have the it's been deleted by the government or whatever scene animate as like a single piece of paper folding up <laughs> in the screen yeah. that's just how the internet is who knows <laughs> yeah um, the other thing about uh, Asagi as a character, and th the first movie establishes that when Gamera gets hurt, she gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Really glad they dropped that for this one, because otherwise she also would have been stabbed a thousand times by bugs. I mean, yes. she does bleed. She's like, Gamera is bleeding in this one, but it's just more like yeah, abstract. But like, Gamera gets fucked up in this movie. A lot. <laughs> Yeah, Gamera yeah. literally gets stabbed by the giant, like the giant legion, like multiple times in the chest. A lot. Oh. Okay, so the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, first, you know, it's important that this is uh, in 1996, because mm -hmm. this is a year after Neon Genesis Evangelion is in the public consciousness, mm -hmm. and uh, special effects director Shinji Higuchi, uh, who, rumor has it, is the namesake for Shinji, uh, was the storyboard artist for many episodes of Evangelion. Uh, is a close friend of Anno's. Um, and uh, I think that's why we get the Bible quote to name Legion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this is also full circle because Anno does it for Evangelion because uh, A.G. Subaraya, creator of Ultraman and special effects coordinator for Godzilla, was a Roman Catholic. Uh, yes, I definitely read English. it as, as an homage to, like, Japanese Catholicism, which is a whole deal yes. outside of my lane to comment on but i definitely thought it was like an interesting choice to have like a character solemnly quote the bible here and a character has to look at them and go the bible he does say yes. he does say is that the bible but i i also love that this one soldier 
who no one else but another soldier is around, quoting the scripture, is instantly picked up by the media, and they're all like, this monster, now known as Legion. Um, yes. And yes because, all- because another part of this movie is that there's incredible, like, Western actors all the time, all the ways, giving, like... Uh, all, like all the newscasters yes. are amazing. Did, did either of you take the time to freeze frame on the newspapers? No. I know, I don't think okay, so. Okay, so no. the newspapers are, are really interesting because they, they did take the time on those papers to write grammatically correct but very straightforward reporting on the <laughs> incidents. Uh, but if you look at all the stories around them, they are... They're like they are actual news stories from like the New York Times. So you'll just get like Rudy Giuliani cutting welfare budgets and stuff. <laughs> like, in the middle of all this, the president's like, "Sorry about what happened to Sendai," and then there's Giuliani. Like, you know what? <laughs> I think I saw the Giuliani one because I I did laugh at that briefly. But, there, yeah. but I, didn't, I just saw the name. I just recognized. It. I didn't read the article. It's just like you know, here's just regular Hong Kong politics and you know DC going on as usual amidst Legion's attack. Yes. It's it's really good, mm-hmm. and the movie does begin with like a, amazing like thirty seconds of NASA dialogue. Um, yes, clearly the the obvious stock footage of like NASA control rooms that they just put voiceover on top of, which yeah. the 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 ADV dub dubs over for different people, even though they're already speaking in English. Well, I should <laughs> think wild. so because oh my god, some of those <laughs> and, and also like. This is never really brought on in the actual plot of the movie, but it's absolutely implied that, like, the US have done this on purpose. Like, not, they haven't, like, sent Legion out, right? Like, then it's not a US project or anything. But they have, like, they, they do cover it up. They say, oh, we'll just say it's rogue meteors and leave them to deal with it on their own. We're not going to, like, help, help them out or send them intel or whatever. Um, yeah, the, pre- the, president will issue an apo- the president will issue an apology when it's blown up a six mile radius of a city. But, <laughs> yes. Like, sorry that happened to y'all. See ya. Um, one of the interesting bits of the, uh, the, the subtitles that I thought were funny, at least in the arrow version, is they localize all of the, like, n- the measurements into Imperial. <laughs> it was, so, I was like, that, they're not, they're saying kilometers, not miles. <laughs> when they were talking about the blast radius of the thing. It was really funny because the number they were saying were not the number on the screen. Yes. <laughs> Which is just, uh, I don't know why you need to do that. I know what a kilometer is. You can just say that. Well, and, and Arrow is a British company, so it's very funny yes. that that's happened anyway. Um, I mean, we do have, we, we're also Miles. Okay. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Sorry, else uh, were a metric, but Miles were Miles. I am an ignorant American, do forgive me. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, um. Uh, there, there is a there. Uh, so there's a quick. Uh, there's a couple uh, nice little cameos in here too. Uh, the the ornithologist from the first movie. We we see that she went on to write a book about the Gauss incident, and they zoom in on her yes. book jacket photo. Uh, yeah, it's really good. And uh, right before the final battle, there is an old soldier uh, talking about how he had to run from the firebombs during the war as a child, but now this time he's not running. And that was a uh, that was Akiji Kobayashi, who is the uh, much beloved. Uh, Captain Morimatsu from Ultra, the original Ultraman series. Okay, oh, I was like, I was like, I definitely that's definitely a cameo I'm supposed to know, and I just didn't pick it up. Yeah, it's one of his last film roles. Uh, he, that's great. He gets to appear for just a few seconds. 
I was going to say, the thing that I uh, surprised me about this movie is the way in which the Legion, like, infests a planet and then uses the resources to build, like, a seed flower that uses the oxygen they generate to launch itself to another planet is one of the best, like, Ultraman-style, like, this is an alien ecosystem mm -hmm. stories I've ever seen actually done in a movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, because it touches on stuff that's, like, in, like, the War of the Worlds, like, the, the Steven Spielberg remake, where, like, you know, this is what it is to, like, terraform a planet with alien, uh, like, not technology, but like alien processes. And it's just like laid out here really plainly. Like the discovery of that stuff is like the driving plot of a lot of the movie. And it, it's like good and scary. They're like, like the whole bit of like, oh, it's putting out about oxygen. That shouldn't be a problem, right? Until everyone realizes, no, a, bu a bunch of oxygen is a big problem. It's the biggest problem. <laughs> and also the movie does great at uh, displaying just how fast these blossoms can come out of nowhere. Yes. Yeah. Great yeah, the one that uh, like erupts out of the the roof as like the entire building suddenly bursts with like roots is so cool. Uh, and then like the one where Gamera pulls it out of the ground in uh, Sendai, like you just see how far like the root system's gone as it's like lifting up across streets like throughout the city. It's really yeah. good. The the root stuff is really good, um, especially in like how. Uh, it allows them to set up the geography of the miniatures like they really try hard in some of the early bits when like the flower is blooming to make sure that like they are framing the like real people in shots with the like uh miniature buildings or replicas of actual buildings um like in in frame right so that when they blow up that one like wall of advertisements you've already seen it with like actual people next to it and it's not just like we've gone to a like a set right to blow up uh mm -hmm. i feel like by making a large part of the plot of the movie like about the way the space changes for all the people in it 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 gives extra context to like the big kaiju battle in that space uh mm -hmm. that ends up really working and yes the bit in the car where all the roots come out and then all the guys have to dry dive out the car is incredible <laughs> yes uh, and you know uh, that that is a very good point. And now I'm going to undercut it by just saying the explosions in this movie are really cool. They're really They're good. so cool, though. Is the thing. <laughs> I I am amazed at how massive these explosions can be, and seemingly so close to these suits. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, they're really good. Um, I feel like the uh, I don't think there's like a like a big like. I don't think the final explosion set pieces is like as impressive as the first movie. I feel like they spread them around better. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so much good miniature work. Anytime they like, there's a whole bit where Gamera makes a stand like on the outside, like outskirts of Tokyo, just in front of like a giant, like, like almost like an, like an ore processing plant or so like coal processing. Cause they have the big like storehouse, the chute that's going down just so someone can knock it over. Incredible. The models in this are so good. So good. Um, Another thing I want to compliment, and uh, Higuchi backs this up because I, I did. I, there's another. There's also a on the disc. There is a massive interview with Higuchi about the special effects of the entire trilogy. Uh, mm -hmm. He's interviewed by one of the producers from Ghibli, who also helped produce some of these. Um, and he talks about one of the things he really wanted to focus on in this movie was making mm -hmm. uh, Gamera's flight more convincing, because. He felt that in the in Guardian of the Universe, some of those flight scenes look a little awkward. So he deliberately added a lot of smoke to Gamera's flight this time yes. to give that more of a sense of propulsion. And yeah. uh, I, I think it really works. It, it actually reminds me a lot of Giant Robo in terms of like yeah. the propulsion and weightiness of it. The other thing is like his uh, Gamera's arms literally do the like. Uh, um, what Laputa like robot transformation where they they go from arms to like literally wings. Yes. They they swap arms out when he's in flight. 
Yes, and he and he does tell the Ghibli producer like I, I was actually trying to capture a little bit of that uh, from what I saw in the early Miyazaki movies. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing I really like about Gamera's design in this, and I uh, it's a it's like one of my things like like the legendary Godzilla I feel like gets this really wrong is like Gamera is not enormous enormous like you know it's like I, I just looked up it's like six to eighty meters is like Gamera's listed height and. Gamera is smaller than some of the buildings it's walking around in this movie. And I love that about this. Yes. Uh, it's a thing that like, I don't need, I don't need the kaiju to be like city dwarfing. It's cooler when they have to navigate around the structures that people have built. Like the, the Godzilla being 50 meters in fifties is cool because it towered over everything. But if Godzilla shows up now and it's not as tall as all the buildings, I think that's a great thing. I think that's really interesting. Completely agree. Um, uh, 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 but also, you like also. There's probably a reason they didn't go directly into downtown Tokyo by the end of this movie because he's mostly stomping around like smaller te- like cities. Yeah, they they want to stop Legion before it gets to Tokyo. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I also wanted to uh, to bring up real quick because you know, as we said, Higuchi goes on to from being special effects director of this to uh, co-directing Shin Godzilla, and Kaneko mm-hmm. goes on to make Godzilla GMK. And mm-hmm. I think there's there's a couple of unifying things about their approaches to this, but I also think it's uh, there there's a, there was a quote I read recently from Higuchi, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it in front of me. But according to Higuchi, the big difference between Gamera and Godzilla is that in his view, Gamera is almost by default always a hero, and mm-hmm. and to him, Godzilla is more interesting as like a ghost or a specter of death, like. He finds Godzilla more interesting when Godzilla is villainous, whereas in both Guardian and in this, there is a scene after the fight where Gamera always pauses and turns to acknowledge the crowd of supporters. Yes, he basically <laughs> like throws up a peace sign before he flies away. Yeah. And I always I all, love that. They all salute. They all salute Gamera in this movie. Yes. <laughs> And and uh, just uh, the Super Saiyan scene, real quick too. Uh, I I I love how hard Koatani goes in on the music in that scene as Gamera yes. charges up the final beam. Ah, oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful scene. The interesting thing about that is because Gamera is like a, like the heroic figure, it doesn't play it as much of like the body horror as you would expect where the turtle's chest literally opens up to shoot a giant beam out of it. Like that kind of reminds me of like the ways in which like um, Godzilla in Shin Godzilla like has a tail made up of skull, like the bodies of everyone who's died mm-hmm. from nuclear power or whatever, but it doesn't play with the same tonality of that in a way that's like really interesting to me. Cause like that, like the chicken Godzilla also has the thing where it's spraying blood all over the walls, but it's not played the same way as when Gamera blood sprays the wall and it's like just green goop and everyone's like, Oh, it's the blood of Gamera. Isn't that sad? Yes. Yeah. No, uh, I mean, one of the uh, one of the military characters literally says, after Gamera destroys Mother Legion with that beam, there's your line of defense. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's really funny. Also, I mean, the body horror, too. Uh, when, when Gamera's firing that beam, uh, the pupils disappear. Yeah. It's just yeah. wide-eyed and kind of terrifying looking, which uh, will, will come... Some of that... Some of that terror imagery does play into the third movie in ways I'm not going to spoil, but it, yeah. Because I, I, I was surprised multiple times that Gamera made it out of this movie. I thought, like, at first I thought Gamera was going to die. We get a second Gamera show up, kind of like a Mothra situation, where sometimes you get, you know, child Mothra evolving throughout the movie. Um, there will always be a Gamera to defend the Earth in yeah. some way. <laughs> yeah. 
because uh, it looks like Gamera dies like twice in this movie, and then it explodes a giant like radiating <laughs> beam. <laughs> I mean, I really do think that this movie just continues a very proud tradition started by the first at being some of the best looking kaiju movies you can make. Yes. Yeah, it's really impressive. And these were talked about. Uh, I mean, the, I think as you said on your first episode, the first one won awards uh, and was in some ways a controversial topic at the time because some of the sci-fi and fantasy establishment of Japan didn't want kaiju films to win awards in that way. Um, <laughs> of course, that's so. very unsurprising. <laughs> yeah, it's so. The, I mean, these were these were humongous blockbuster events at the time, and uh, they had every right to be. Yeah, no, they're great. Uh, yeah, this movie's just really fun. Like, you know. And they're 90 minutes. Like, that's... Cannot be overemphasized how much it is good to have a movie that is under two hours to enjoy uh, and not be made mad about any thematic elements in. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and the, pa- the pacing on both of the movies that uh, you've seen so far, they, they move right along. There's not a ton of padding. Yeah. Nope. And they just... Good movies. I think I prefer the first one, um, but uh, I love this one. Too. I think the first one's a better movie. I like all the creature stuff in this one more. Yes. Like, Legion's just way cooler than Gauss is. Sorry. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, having watched, like, uh, one again recently, like, like one is just, like, impeccable. It's like, it's like, if you wanted to make a kaiju movie that's not a bummer like Godzilla is, it's the <laughs> perfect version of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the hero movie. Yeah. Like I think my ideal form is still just old ass Godzilla. It's a good it's a good movie for a reason. <laughs> it is fucking good. I cannot deny yeah. this. Um, but there, you know, the if you want to just make one where you can cheer for the monster at the end, um, Gamera is it. It's good. Stop trying to make Godzilla a hero. <laughs> <laughs> the the scene in um in this movie where Gamera like finally shows up is so sick. <laughs> Uh, which one is the one under the water? Yeah, the f- the first one, like the, yes. the when it finally like the the slow reveal of Gamera's here to help, where all the dolphins are leaping with <laughs> yeah. Gamera. The bit is yeah, they get they get the weird sonar reading like oh, it's probably just a do- a couple uh, some dolphins, and it's all the dolphins, and then Gamera. <laughs> yeah, Gamera's friend to all dolphins and children. Uh, just like the so long and thanks for all the fish sequence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Also, uh, just Gamera flying around like a UFO, twirling is good every time. It's so good. It's such a goofy bit. I love that they just kept it. And I, I love that uh, Gamera escapes the ants mobbing it by doing the twirl and yes. just slinging them off everywhere. It's real good. Yeah. Good bugs. Bugs are bugs are good. Like I think bugs are creepy in real life, but I love a bug monster. Mm-hmm. They're just perfect. Well, well, Earth Defense Force is there for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's some bugs. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything else? I feel like we might have uh, done it. No, not so much. Yeah, yeah, just an excellent, excellent kaiju movie. I think if if, if you're a fan or a potential fan of these kind of movies, this is a series to look for. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad they're just available now. Hopefully those box sets remain in print. I'd like to think they'll be around for at least a couple years, but don't delay too long because you never know with these boutique labels. I was so, it was so bummed out that the, uh, the first one just sold out instantly. (laughs) 
uh, when they made the big double, you know, the original release. Gone much too fast. Yeah, yeah. I just got the uh, the one of this trilogy. I want to watch all the old cheesy ones. That's the I I like kaiju movies from that era. Yes. I know that the Gamera ones are not like highly respected because they're like more comedic, but like that doesn't bother no, me there, at all. There's, so I'm excited. It, to watch if them. you can handle old Ultraman, like well, I, and I don't want to say it derisively because old Ultraman yeah. is some of the best TV from that era. Um, but like I, I think you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of this. I, I, the old uh, Gamera movies, they, it's 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 the kind of handmade, charming. Uh, just old timey sci-fi stuff, and there is some really memorable monsters in some of those. So yeah, no, check yep. those out too. Uh, Casey, use your clout to get Criterion to make a uh, Heisei Godzilla collection. I will finally. <laughs> I, I am trying. <laughs> Try. <laughs> I understand it would be like the biggest box set ever, but I want it. <laughs> yeah, I I assume that like as as soon as Toho gives somebody the green light. We will see such a thing. I, mm-hmm. I can only imagine we haven't seen it yet just because the license deals with Toho themselves are probably a little difficult. But Oh, yeah, almost certainly. Uh, I would love to see it. Maybe Arrow will do it. Maybe Criterion will do it. Somebody will do it before home video dies. Yes. Yep. Uh, all right. Um, next time, we're going to be watching Ping Pong the Animation. That's going to be in a couple weeks. So get ready for that. One of the best anime ever. Please listen. It's really good. <laughs> uh, Casey, you want to plug? People can find you. Uh, sure. You uh, you can find me on Twitter at Manovsky Article. I, I really don't have anything else to plug. So in the event that you came to listen to this podcast because you were either interested in Gamera or, uh, you know, it'd be because you because you saw me linking to it or something, uh, I'd encourage you to stick around and listen to other podcasts on the Abnormal Mappings Network. I did appear on their Great Gundam project for the G Gundam finale almost one year ago, and that was a good time You were as very well. polite at how, how uh, <laughs> not into G Gundam we were. The thing is, it's been a year. I think about Chimney Crockett almost every day. He's a <laughs> hero and a legend. That's right. Yeah, the greatest, the greatest pilot of all time. Chimney Crockett. I agree. Uh, no. But yeah, I see. It doesn't bother me. I, I know. I know y'all have gotten some flack since then from some people who felt you were a little too impolite to it. But you know, I came no. on as a as a super fan, and I thought you were very polite to me and to the show. So, I, yeah, no problems there. I en- I enjoyed I'm myself. Completely fair. We've got a lot. We've got some flack, but honestly, that's for other shows. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't fans have been nothing but be like, yeah. For the the OFMS team fans are really the ones who are sour. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that was that was a uh, that got more pushback. The GN fans mostly just were like, yeah, fair enough. I enjoy the show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you, people. you know what? That I'm I'm glad I'm glad that the uh, community I pin myself to has been respectful. <laughs> uh, Jackson plugs. Uh, you can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and I do at abnormalmapping.com. Casey already plugged them, but they're good. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. If you'd like to support our network, obviously you can do that. Patreon.com slash normalmapping. $1 a month gets you the Great Gundam Project, where we're watching Gundam X, which is really uh, good. And Ghost of Shell's standalone complex second gig, which has been uh, a bit of a chore. Um, we're doing it with our friend Austin Walker. That season is like in its back half now i guess so look forward to more gundam forever uh yeah the gundam is officially going on forever (laughs) 
Uh, so until next time, watch some anime or a kaiju movie or something. Shit, they're all good. Most of them are good. Yeah, don't watch Kong Skull Island. <laughs> that one's bad. <laughs> bad. Goodbye!